morning, everyone. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? It's great to have you here. Let's stand together in honor of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's so good. Is he not so good? His goodness is pouring all over us. His grace, his mercy. We are grateful to him. Amen. Tim, how about we use a little praise and adoration this morning? That's good. Isn't that really beautiful? Ambiance, background. Are you hungry this morning? I know you probably ate breakfast, but are you hungry for the Lord this morning? Are you thirsty for the Lord? You know, Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, and he said he would provide a water that would never go dry. It would spring up from within you and be an everlasting spring of water from a well that he provides that's through his Holy Spirit. So let's bow our heads, lift our hearts, and ask him to continue to reveal that truth to us. Father, we thank you for this great opportunity again to gather in your presence, to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, our Savior, our King, our Lord, our Redeemer. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, Lord, the promise that we are yours, for the indwelling Holy Spirit, God Almighty dwelling in man. We do not truly understand this, Lord, but we know by your grace and your mercy you've made it so. And we thank you for this well that springs up from inside us, Lord God, and just continues to pour forth your love to others, Lord. Stir our hearts. Let us see and understand as we sing this song how great you are and how so totally and completely you have filled us with yourself, Lord. God, we just ask that you'd open our eyes to see what you're doing in each of our lives and here at the body, Lord, to advance your kingdom until we see you face to face. May we do so. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so do you. Do you believe that? Make the lame to walk and the blind to see. Open prison doors, set the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me.
praise your name, Lord. His grace is enough for us. So good, Lord. faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with us in Thank you for your mercy and your grace and your goodness, Lord.
Goodness. 
you that you have always made a way where there is no way, Lord, that you are a chain breaker, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are a God who keeps promises, that you are the light in our darkness.
He's a way maker, isn't he? Amen. Hey, can we sing that chorus? Just, just, just the church. Amen. Right? Just the church. You lead us, Lenny. All right. Actually, Kim, go ahead. You can lead us. Kim, <laughs> put up that chorus. Praise the Lord. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my that is who you are. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. One more time, you are the way maker. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Give him all the glory, the honor, and the praise that he deserves, our King, our God. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord. We come to you, Lord, and we inhabit, you inhabit the praises of your people this morning. You are in our midst, Lord, and you are a miracle worker. You are a way maker. Lord God, we pray for everyone in this house tonight. Lord, there's some who are in the valley today, oh God. And there are some on the mountaintop, Lord. Lord, for those who are on the mountaintop, draw them ever nearer to you, Lord. For those who are in the valley, Lord, may they look up right now and see the risen Savior who is there, who wants to heal, who wants to restore them, who wants to strengthen them right now and give them the living hope, that hope that only can be found in you, our risen Savior, our Lord and King. We thank you for the precious blood that you shed for us on that cross that washes us and cleanses us of all of our sins. We thank you and we praise you and we give you the glory, Lord. Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. Hallelujah. Rejoice in that this morning, oh God. We praise you and thank you, oh God. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We want to lift up 
you some saints, Lord God, this morning. I want to lift up Jim Henry to you, Lord. And we pray for that miracle power to be poured out in him, Lord, right now. In Jesus' name, may you touch him. May you heal him and restore him, oh God. We pray for those in this, in this place, Lord, who are suffering with depression. Oh, Lord, they're in a darkness right now. They only see darkness, oh God. Lord, may the Holy Spirit just fall upon them right now and just give them that light, Lord, that only can come from you. Lord, the light that will drive away the darkness, oh God. We pray for those who are suffering with alcoholism. Oh God, may you deliver them right now. Lord, convict them of their sin, oh God. For that, for that person who came in and they just drink uh, one can of beer has turned into a case of beer. Oh Lord, may you reveal to them right now that they need to come to you and repent of their sin and turn away from it in Jesus' name. Oh God, we lift up to you all the saints, Lord, all the saints, Lord. May we be rooted and grounded in your love and faith and give us all the wisdom that's found in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take this time to welcome one another. You may be seated. Say hello. Good morning, church. Wasn't that amazing? That was so good, right? Um, I'm so happy to see you guys. Uh, we're going to start off with announcements. We have very important announcements, so please make note of them. Uh, take notes, all right? The, these are for the church. Uh, we're going to start off for, with Men of Abundance Bible Study. It's tomorrow, Monday, March 7th at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Men, if you haven't attended, attend, okay, because this is for the men. Um, the women's gathering is this Friday, uh, March 11th. Starting at 6 p.m., there will be a casual dinner, and the meeting starts at 7 p.m. Women, come through, let's go, this Friday, okay? Um, and then we have Extraordinary Moms uh, meeting next Sunday at 12.15 in the parent-child room after service. And I'm excited about this, guys, okay? Yes, sign up today in the Welcome Center for the Growing in Christ class with Pastor Sam Medina. Um, the class begins Saturday, March 12th from 10 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. here in the church. Um, it will be a five-week class. Uh, the first lesson is Lessons on Assurance, which will be on salvation and knowing without a doubt that you are saved according to the scriptures. That's important to know, yes? We agree, right? That's very important to know. Um, all you need for this class is a pen, Bible, and a desire to grow in your relationship with Jesus. The church provides the workbook. This is the workbook, okay? Um, we will be there. Uh, there's four people that have signed up, church, so come on, let's sign up today. Um, the way that we've grown in Christ is by learning uh, from the pastors, right, being in the Word, and studying. Uh, God calls us to study, so come this Saturday and study with us, all right? Make sure you sign up today. Yes? Okay. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Sam. 
And uh, last but not least, we have movie night. Movie night is back uh, Friday, March 18th at 7 p.m. We will have a movie night in the church sanctuary showing the movie Fireproof. All are welcome. Um, do we have any guests today? We would love to welcome you. Please raise your hand. We'd like to welcome, welcome. Give her a hand. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, our ushers will bring over some information about our church, and then once the service is done, you can go over to the sound room to get a free Jesus DVD. Okay, God bless you. Um, I don't know if there has been a greater threat of nuclear war since the 1980s before Perestroika and Glasnost. Uh, we are calling, you know, a, a basically a day of fasting and prayer on this coming Wednesday, March 9th. We'll be meeting here at 7 o'clock. We'll have worship, but when we're just going to pray for Ukraine. And uh, so you feel helpless. Uh, I don't know how many of you sent money, and there are some really good ministries that can get at least right now, food into the hands of the people over there. Folks, that could be us very quickly. Don't, don't think, you know, this, this imagination of, um, you know, oh, it can never happen here. Folks, it could happen really quick. And uh, this thing, if it escalates, it could escalate into nuclear war. So um, it's horrible what's happening. We haven't seen anything like this since World War II. And um, just a day of fasting and prayer. I'm going to talk a little about fasting in the message today, so um, give you some some tips on that. But uh, it will be it will be a time. We'll, we'll begin with some worship. I'm just going to share a very brief word with you on prayer, and then we are just going to pray for the Ukraine. We're going to pray for shalom. Shalom is the peace of God. It's the well-being of God. Those people right now don't have much well-being. They're separated from their loved ones. There's little children who have been killed. They've had their homes blown up. They're on the run. Uh, the men are fighting. God bless them. And uh, so just we'll gather for a, uh, we'll call it a holy convocation of prayer and fasting on, um, on Wednesday and uh, really lift up our, our hearts to the Lord and pray. So um, I encourage you to, you know, come out for that. So we're going we're gonna to go to Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. Help my unbelief is the title of the message. And um, I'm going to have you stand for the reading of the word. We're going to read just, I'm just going to read a, sh a couple of verses to you, but I'm going to take you through the entire passage. Mark chapter 9, 23 through 24, it says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Have you ever been there? If you haven't, you're a liar. <laughs> father, I pray that you would open up our hearts and strengthen our faith today. Lord God, show us, Lord God, today. The pattern, Lord, of prayer. The prayer and, Lord God, uh, the faith that could, Lord, cast out demons, addictions, Lord, sin can set the captives free, can set ourselves free. And Lord God, you have come to give us freedom, and to give us that freedom, Lord, is a glorious thing. I pray, Lord God, again, open up our hearts and minds to your word today, and Father, let us walk out here different than we came in. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. So uh, just in, in the context, right? Context is important. We have been looking at previous weeks. Jesus went up onto the Mount of Transfiguration, took Peter, James. Who was the third guy that he took with him? 
John, that's right, John, Peter, James, and John, and um, he took them up on top of the mountain, and he was transfigured before them, and uh, these two guys appeared with him. Who were those two guys? Moses and Samuel, right? Was it uh, Moses and Elijah? And, um, and then, while he was up there, he left the nine down below. So the three went up with him, Peter, James, and John, but the other nine were left below and then they came down the mountain. And when they got to the bottom of the mountain, there is this dispute happening. And uh, essentially the scribes are arguing, okay, with the nine apostles. And they're arguing about that the apostles could not cast out a demon from this young child that was brought to them by his father. So this, this is somewhat of a... Um, I mean, they're not just arguing. The scribes are mocking. (laughs) They're mocking them. Because they were powerless to cast out the demon. And there's a great lesson that Jesus is teaching to the nine, and I believe a lesson that he wants to teach to us today. The reason they were powerless to cast out the demon, what was the cause of their powerlessness? They lacked faith. Okay, they lacked faith. And Jesus even talked about this type of faith only comes by doing two things. What are the two things? Prayer and fasting. So, they lacked faith. The Word of God, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is essentially believing in something or someone that you have never seen. You know, they say, seeing is believing. Well, in the Christian life, essentially, believing is seeing. So here's the problem. The nine were not seeing Jesus. He's he's all the way up on top of that mountain. They're down below. They don't see him. So they're really having a problem believing that they can cast out this demon. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. This is the lesson. They needed to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Because now they're, 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 they're not seeing him okay anymore. They were seeing him nonstop for three years. This is about the third year of Jesus' ministry. You've got about another few months to go before he's crucified, raised from the dead, and then eventually he ascends into heaven. So what you have here, they are not seeing one who they saw all that they saw him morning, noon, and night. He slept near them. Right? He ate breakfast with them, he ate lunch with them, he ate dinner with them. He was around them all the time. Now they're not seeing him. And they're having this unbelief problem. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. That the genuineness of your faith. What is the genuineness of your faith? Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Whom having not seen you love. How many of you can say that today? I've never seen him. And I, let me tell you, I love him more than I love you all. I love him more than I love my wife. I love him more than I love my children and my grandchildren. And I've never, I've never seen him. That 
Though now you do not see him, yet believing. I've never seen him, yet I believe in him. In fact, I'll tell you this, I believe in him more than all of you. (laughs) I I believe in him more than I do myself. I, I believe in one I've never seen. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So we believe in a God we have not seen. We trust in a Savior we have not seen. We embrace his death and his resurrection, which we have not seen. We trust in the Holy Spirit, who we have not seen. And we look for a fulfillment in eternal heaven, which we have not seen. Guess what that's called? Faith. <laughs> right, faith? Faith, faith, that's, that's called faith, right? So Jesus has the nine in training. Do you realize you're in training? If you're a true believer, if you're a true believer, if you've truly been born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior, if you believe he died for you on the cross and was raised from the dead, you're in training. He's got you in training. And he's got the 12 in training. And what is he trying to teach them? Right here, right now, this context, what is he trying to teach them? He's trying to teach them to walk by faith, not by sight. Learn the lesson. It brings power from on high. It brings a peace that transcends all understanding. It brings a joy that is unconquerable. It brings strength. It brings courage. It brings consistency. It brings steadfastness. Learn the lesson. To walk by faith, not by sight. You know what? You know, just like the apostles. See, people in the church through the years. Churches. In here, there's a lot of Jesus. <laughs> this, is a, this is living word community church. We are a word church, right? We are the word, right? We are the living word. This is what we are all about. Jesus, right? The, the incarnate word of God. We are a Christ-centered church. You, you see images of him. You see people filled with him. You hear the songs. They're Christ-centered. The message is Christ-centered. It's Christ all the time. But then you walk out of here, And if you're not walking by faith, why you just like, it, it, it's like this was all just a dream. You go right back into the world. So the lesson, the lesson here for the apostles and for us is to walk by faith, not by sight. Let's look, let's dig into the text. I'm going to give you a bunch of F's today, okay? F's for you today. That's what you're getting. The first is the word failure. They failed. So in Mark 9, verse 14 through 15, and when he came to, his, uh, to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them, right? They're arguing. This is the scribes. They, they hate Jesus. They hate the apostles. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You couldn't cast out the demon. I mean, you ever have people in your life like that? They love to see you fail. <laughs> They're just waiting for you to fail. So immediately... When they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Again, these are not people, for the most part, who believe that he is God, who believe that he is the Lord, right? These are, these are fans, not followers. They seek miracles instead of seeking to surrender their life to Jesus. It's like, it's like a rock star, 
You ever see a rock star or an actor or a professional actor, people fawn over them? I want to tell you, I want to just tell you, this is, this is my 10 seconds of fame. I'm going to give you, this is Frank Bellella's 10 seconds of fame. I've only had 10. There's no fame in what I'm doing right now. He gets all the fame. So I'm in Staples one night, and um, I'm at the counter checking out, and this guy comes running across the store yelling out, hey, you're the guy on TV. I watch you on TV. I see you on TV. And he's yelling, and everyone, in the, like 12 people in the store. And I'm telling you something, it was like they were hypnotized. And all they went was like this. <laughs> they're all walking towards me. It's like Night of the Living Dead, you know? They're, they're like... They're like they're all walking towards me. And then he yells out, he yells out, you're the preacher. And every one of them went, whoo, and they walked away. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was, you, I wish I had it on camera. It was amazing. It's like, it's, they, I'm seeing, you're the preacher. And they just walked away. <laughs> that's, that was it, Pastor Frank's 10 seconds of fame. That's it. That's it. That's all I've had. That's all I was given. <laughs> So the, the crowd comes running to Jesus, and he asks the scribes, what are you discussing with them, with the nine? And then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. They failed. Okay, they, they failed to cast out the demon. You ever fail? I, I have failed this week. You know, we have faith failures. Sometimes we have moral failures, ethical failures. Failures to live up to the blessings, the spirit, the word that God has given us. You know what the, you know what the key to failure is? The, the key to failure is what you do with it. And the key is that you need to learn from failure. That's the key. When you fail, you need to stop and look deeply into your failures and let them teach you because they are great teachers. Right? Failure is a it, failure. I'll tell you, I've learned more from failure than I have from success. Failure is a great teacher. But what do most people do with failure? They ignore it. They ignore it. They, they basically bury it because looking deeply into your failures, it's painful. It, it's, it, it's hard. It, it takes courage. It takes strength to, to really look deeply into your failures. And it takes honesty and it takes humility. But you really have to be brave in heart to, to look into your failures. I want to I share a... It's called The Autobiography in Five Chapters, this little poem... Autobiography in five chapters. Chapter one, okay? I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. 
I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Notice they refuse to take responsibility. So they blame. And, and they blame, and uh, they blame others for being in the hole, but it's their fault. This, this person will blame they will come up with a thousand and one excuses and they will justify their failures. By the way, taking responsibility, responsibility and the refusal to take it is a plague and a disease in our culture. It's a, it's a plague and a disease that's in our culture. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street, there is a deep hole in the sidewalk, I see it's there, I still fall in, it's a habit, my eyes are open, I know where I am, it is my fault. I get out immediately. What has the person done? They have taken responsibility. They're beginning to learn from their failures. They, they are now leaving the blame zone to get into the blame-free zone. They are leaving the excuse zone to step into the excuse-free zone, and they are leaving the justification zone, stepping into the non-justification zone. They're now growing up. They're growing up. They're maturing. They're becoming a, a mature man or woman who takes responsibility now for their life. Number four, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Now, now this person, this is empowered decision because your decisions will determine your destiny. Uh, chapter 5, I walk down another street. That's just plain old wisdom. <laughs> Don't deny your failures. Take responsibility for them. Don't blame others. Don't give excuses. Don't justify. All that, when a person is, is blaming others to me or they're justifying their situation that they have caused or they're coming with excuses, they're a victim. They're just playing the victim. I, I, I pity that person. I pity the man. I mean, I pity the fool. Right? It just, they're just, I just, I'm just looking at that person and I'm, I'm telling they're just, they're, in fact, Dr. Seligman at the University of Pennsylvania, he wrote a book called Learn Helplessness. And that's what that is. That's Learn Helplessness. It's, it's a huge character flaw. Just anytime you blame people for your situation, anytime you justify your failures, you're in a place where you're just playing the victim. Instead of learning from your failures, and letting them teach you, change you, grow you, make you better and better. So the apostles, right, the nine, they failed. And they failed, number two, because they were faithless. Mark chapter 9.19, Jesus answered and said to them, O faithless generation. And by the way, you, you know he, he, he was talking to here. In fact, he says, a pistos generation. This is a generation with no faith. It's, it's a word that's used for infidels. And he's, he's not merely talking to the scribes. He's not merely talking just to the nine. He's talking to all the people around him, the entire generation. Oh, faithless generation. And you can see his impatience. He says, how long shall I be with you? Not much longer, Lord. 
He's going to die in just, just a, a matter of a few months. Be raised and then ascend into heaven. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And then he says in a very abrupt way, bring him to me. That's the, the, the voice in Greek. It wasn't, oh, bring him to me. It was bring him to me. Let him come over here. It's a command. Hebrews 11:6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, let me tell you, without faith you live in the realm of the impossible. With faith you enter into the realm of the possible. And let me just tell you, this, this is true in the natural realm as well as the spiritual realm. In the natural realm, to succeed, you must believe you can. In fact, let me say this. Whether you believe you can or can't, guess what? You're right. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. Whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. So you, you want to be successful, you want, you know, some of you kids here, you're going for the degree, you got to believe you're going to get the degree if you're going to continue to work through school to get the degree. But you got to believe you can succeed if you're going to succeed. you got to believe you can win, okay, before you will win. you got a business, you got to believe you're going to be successful in that business to be successful in it. And that goes, that's, that's just natural, believing in your own God-given abilities, your God-given potential. You got you to believe. That's, that's just natural faith, right? There's books, all kinds of books by motivational teachers and speakers. I mean, go back and go back 200 years. Emerson wrote about this. You know, Napoleon Hill wrote about it. It's, just, it's, it's, it's true. It's just natural faith. You, you will live in the impossible when you live without faith. Now, in the spiritual realm, same thing. If you're going to enter into the possible, you must believe in God. You must believe in God. You must believe to receive. You must believe to get answers to your prayers. You must believe to be sanctified, to be filled with the Spirit. You must believe to be saved. Listen, God wants, it says in the Scriptures, God wants all men to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. Can he save everyone? Not if the person refuses to believe. But if you, if you believe and you put your faith, you put your faith in the Lord, you can be saved. But you have to make that decision. Only you can make that decision. You must believe that Jesus is God. You must believe that he is the Savior. You must believe that he died on the cross for you to take away your sins and you must believe that he was raised from the dead. You must believe to be saved. God wants all men to be saved. He'd love to save you today if you're not saved, but he can't do it because you're unwilling to believe. Once you begin to believe, you enter into the realm of possibility. And that's what the Lord is saying, right? Without faith, it is impossible. With faith, suddenly everything becomes possible. Number three. I'll give you the word frightening because this is a frightening scenario. I don't, know, I don't know if there are too many more things more frightening. I don't know, maybe the demoniac at Judarians, but he was a grown-up. This is a kid. Look at this. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. This is a little boy. 
and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Wow. This is, this is horrible. This is terrible. This, this is really, I'm very visual. So when I'm in a passage, I visualize it as I'm reading it. And I'll tell you, it's, it's hard to look at. How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. This is a a father, like, probably 24-7, probably sleeps next to the kid, just watching him so that the kid doesn't kill himself. You know, the pain of our children, you see a little child that maybe is suffering with some type of, of challenge, Poor little children get sick. I have to be honest with you, I prayed more for the little children who got COVID than I have anybody else in this church. You see a a, a child who's being mocked or bullied. Right? Just and you see them in their pain and their confusion. And it just it just cuts to your heart. Well, that's what this this father is is going through. So the, the, the father here he says. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If, if, if you can, you ever pray like that? If, if Jesus, Jesus if, you know, if you can heal me or, or heal them or if you could provide for me, Lord, I need, I need some type of, if you, if you can, if, if, and it's kind of filled with um, doubt, he's not quite certain, you know, if you, can, if you can cast this demon out of my son, and he says, have compassion on us and help us. Because Jesus, he always has compassion for us. Fourth point, faith. So watch what Jesus does here. Who, who plays tennis? Lenny, you play tennis, right? When you hit the ball into the person's court, what do they do? They... Yeah, watch what Jesus does, because right here, the guy hit the ball into Jesus' court. He's saying, if, and watch what Jesus does. He, and this, by the way, he'll do this with you. So Jesus said to him, if, if you can believe, right, if you can do anything, and Jesus says, if you can believe, right, the power's here, the deliverance is here, right, I'm here. If you can do anything, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. All things. And then in verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You know what I, you know what I love about this, this man? He is honest. He is humble and he is honest. He, he, he didn't wear his religious mask. You know the religious mask that sometimes we wear in, in, in the church. Um, church can be the most hypocritical place in the world. All these people, you know, everybody, everybody acts so holy. Right? You never say in church things that you would say when the guy cuts you off when you're pulling out of the parking lot, right? He's honest. By the way, God loves honesty. Have you noticed that? God loves honesty. He loves when we are humble and we are honest. And he hates dishonesty. 
He hates, he hates self-righteousness. He hates when people are, are phonies. He hates fakery. Is there such a word? That's a bolelaism, fakery. I invented that word. We have to put it, put it in, get it in the dictionary, fakery. He hates fakery. When people, have, and if you don't think he hates it, he, if you don't think he hates it, read Matthew chapter 23. Read what he said to the Pharisees. Man, seven, seven woes, seven, seven woes to the Pharisees. He hates fakery. He hates when people are phonies. He hates hypocrisy. He loves honesty. And this guy, this guy is honest. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. So he's kind of got this, like, he's got this mixture of faith and doubt. He's got this, this mixture of belief and uncertainty. Have you ever been there? Hmm. In, in Matthew 17, we have the account. Uh, same story. Matthew's giving you a different perspective. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him. These are, these are Jews. These are, these are pretty serious Jews. And Jews do not bow down to anybody but who? To God. So this is a great, this is a great example of reverence. I think he believed that Jesus was God and saying he called him Lord. So he believed that he was, he was the Lord, God. And have mercy on my son. He, he obviously believed Jesus was merciful. And then he says, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but again, they could not cure him. So the man, the man has faith, but it's kind of weak faith. It's, I guess it's, it's kind of poor faith, small faith, tiny faith, right? Maybe, um, like Jesus said again in Matthew's account, mustard seed faith. Matthew 17, 20, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So, so he had this small, he had this weak, he kind of had this like tiny little mustard seed faith. This tiny little faith, so small. It's all he had. That's all he had. But he had some. And it was faith enough. Remember, remember when Jesus was meeting with Peter? And uh, Peter had denied him three times. And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And Jesus was saying to him, Peter, do you love me with agape love? Do you, do you agape me with that godly love, that unconditional love? And Peter said to him, um, Lord, I love you with filial love. That's kind of human love, brotherly love. And Jesus asked him again, and Peter said the same thing. And then Jesus lowered, he lowered it the third time, and he said, do you love me with phileo love? And Peter was sad because Jesus lowered down to Peter's level, and then Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you with phileo love. I just want to tell you this. The Lord will take whatever you give to him. So you, you, may, have, you may have really weak faith. <laughs> you may have small faith. You, you may have faith that's, that's like a mustard seed. But he'll take that. He'll take that. 
and he'll take whatever love you have for him. Verse 5, freedom. So in verse 25 through 27 of Mark 9, and when Jesus saw that the people came running together, by the way, again, watch what Jesus does here. He acts really quickly. You know why? Because his miracle ministry is coming to an end, and now it's time to go to the cross and die. So the people are coming, running together. He, I mean, I think before they could get close, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, by the way, it was also caused the guy to be deaf and unable to speak. I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, this is the last hurrah of this demonic spirit, convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as it one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus, again, in his tenderness, he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. I want you to see the words, enter him no more. Why? Why is that important? And Jesus teaching, he's teaching in, in Matthew chapter 12, watch this, 43 through 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Why does he say, enter him no more? You know what he did? He put a do not enter sign over the life of that little boy. No demon is going in there ever again. You're going to leave and you're not coming back. That's what Jesus does there, deliverance. The guy kid is totally free. You can clap to Jesus for that one. All right, I'm going to end with a, a formula. I hate to do anything that's a formula in Scripture, but I'm going to give you. Jesus laid out a pattern for prayer, and he laid out a pattern for fasting. So watch, watch what happens here. So after the episode, Mark chapter 9, 28 through 29, and when he had come into the house, I don't know what house he was in. Maybe they're in Capernaum. It's probably Peter's house. That's where they stayed. His disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about prayer and fasting. Do you realize prayer? Prayer is a conduit, a conduit to God. Prayer connects you to God. Prayer opens up the power of heaven to come into your life. But there's a pattern to prayer that Jesus has given us. There's principles. I've taught, on these, I've taught on these many times through the years. And I'm amazed at how many people in the church, I mean, they're wondering why their prayer life is feckless or futile. I don't believe many of them understand this. Prayer principles, number one. And whatever you, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He says it twice. You have to ask in my name. What does that mean? Does that mean that when we pray, we use the name of Jesus over a thousand times? There's a guy here years ago, he used to say, in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. That's not what Jesus, in fact, he sounded, he used to have a Kawasaki motorcycle. He sounded like the Kawasaki motorcycle. <laughs> 
It's not some magical formula. To pray in Jesus' name essentially means to pray on his account. Because our accounts are bankrupt. <laughs> so if I go to uh, the Bank of America location, and uh, look, what's the name of your bank? Valley. If I go to Valley Bank tomorrow morning, and Carmen is there, and I've got a check, and it's signed by Frank Valella for a billion dollars, am I going to get that money, or am I going to get a straight jacket and be taken away? Good <laughs> But if I come to your bank and that check is signed by Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, for a billion dollars. I know you don't have a billion dollars in the bank. You probably have no, don't have a billion dollars in every bank you know, in, the, uh, you know, in the circuit. But if I gave you that, I would eventually get my billion dollars, right? Because I went on the account of Elon Musk. My account, I ain't getting no billion dollars. So when you, go, when you go to God for prayer, you've got to come in the name of Jesus. Because who the heck are you? And who the heck am I? So we pray. We always pray in the name of Jesus on his account, number two. So we say, what? You can ask for anything in Jesus' name. I can get anything. And I got this guy who really bothers me. He's a neighbor. His dog poops all over my lawn. He really ticks me off. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord... Just let him twist his ankle a little bit. <laughs> it's not his will, right? It's not in the ankle-breaking business. <laughs> so we not only need to ask in his name, look at 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. How do we know his will? This book is filled with his will. Learn it. You begin to pray right according to his will beauty of this book, the more you're in it, the smaller it gets. It looks really big now. Remember the first time I saw this, geez, 40 years ago, I was like, oh, wow, I've never read a book this, I mean, it's, it's hard to lift, it's so big, but the more you read it, the smaller it gets. How many times now I'm reading through chapters, and I know what's in the chapter before I read it, but he's always got something new, because his word is new every morning. Number three, third principle. Beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God and whatever we ask for, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. You've got to be obeying him. And do those things which are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he is Christ the Messiah, and love one another as he gave us commandments. So if you're, you're out of harmony with him, you're not obeying him, you really shouldn't expect that he is going to answer your prayers. You've, you've got to be in a place of, of obedience, believing in his son and, and living, living love towards your fellow man, towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. So you're out. I, I'll, tell you this, I'll tell you this story real quick. So I, I had a house around the corner where we started the church, 
and uh, we were away on vacation for two weeks. So when we got back, the grass had grown pretty much up to my knee. I took my lawnmower, and after about a couple of rows, it got clogged, it got jammed, and I couldn't get it fixed. So I went to my neighbor next door, two, two houses away, and uh, I was going to ask him if I could use his lawnmower. And as I was walking up the steps, his little white fluffy dog, floofy dog, um, grabbed onto my sock and is like, and that dog used to just annoy the heck out of me. And he was, and I'm just, and finally I just went like, whoo. It wasn't 20 feet. And I look up and there's the owner of the home looking at me. And I just ask you, was that the right time to ask him for his lawnmower? No, it wasn't. No, hey, Eric, how you doing today? Just wanted to come by and say, you know, your dog was, is running loose, but it wasn't the right time. So I had to wait another two weeks before I got my lawnmower fixed to get the lawnmower cut. I went out with, the, with that, you know, that I did. I went out with that sickle. I went out with the sickle. So you, you just got to make sure you're right with God. Confession, repentance, before prayer is always a good idea. Examine your heart. Number four, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. We need to be abiding, remaining, uh, trusting. We need to be, be continuing with Jesus. What, what is, you know, to, to abide means to just be continuing to walk with him, to be walking with him in faith, to be walking with him in obedience to be walking according to his will. You get out of that fellowship with him, you've got to get back in fellowship before you're going to find that your prayers are powerful. Number five, Luke chapter 17, one, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, right? The parable of the persistent widow, she kept banging on the judge's door, I want that decision, I want that, she wouldn't live up, give up, she was persistent, she's persevering, she's enduring, she's tenacious, until the, the judge says, hey, she's driving me out of my mind, I'm going to give her the decision. Well, we need to pray with tenacity. God is more willing to give us than we are willing to ask. But he does want... You know what happens when you pray with tenacity? It really proves that you really want what you're praying for. Folks, I, I don't know how, how much prayer you've, you, you've done for someone and there's things that I'm praying for right now and I spend more time in prayer for and I pray and I'm praying and I'm praying. And some of you are sitting here who God has healed you you know, it just it, God has healed you, and I don't want to take credit for this. The church was praying for you, but we pray and we pray and we pray. Elizabeth, how, the time that you went through, pray, you know, praying for you and praying for God to, to heal you, and you're just, you know, you're praying for the Ukraine. Chris, praying for you. Carolyn, praying for you. And you, and you, just, you just keep bringing it to God to, over. Carmen, you're back. Sam, your wrist. That wasn't so much prayer because it, it was just your wrist. But we pray. I still prayed for you this morning. But you're praying and you're praying and that just, it just kind of shows that this, this is really, it's in your heart. And you want it. The last one. Therefore I say to you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Again, you need to pray in faith. In Jesus' name, according to God's will, in obedience, abiding in him, praying consistently, and praying in faith. By the way, you know what you call that, those six things? 
That's a relationship with God. <laughs> That's what that is. It's just when, when, you're, when you're in relationship with him, that just flows. So I, I'm not sitting and saying, I got to pray in Jesus' name, and is this according to God's will? And am I open? It's just when you're in relationship with him, it just flows. Prayer. All right. Five more minutes. Fasting. He says prayer and fasting. There's a lot in the scriptures that talk about fasting. There are vegetable fasts. There is one-day fast, three-day fast, 10-day fast, 21-day fast, 40-day fast. There's fasting from food, from drink, and from music. In the New Testament, Jesus didn't make a whole lot about fasting. He fasted for 40 days, though. Anna, in the temple, had fasted, waiting for the Messiah to come. Uh, The early church fasted in Acts chapter 13 for direction. And Jesus had a really strong rebuke about the Pharisees because when they would fast, they would make themselves look all disheveled. They'd mess up their hair. They wouldn't shave. They'd walk around. What's the matter with you, Rabbi? I have been fasting. I skipped breakfast. I've been fasting. It was just, they were phonies. They were, again, fakery. In the scriptures... They fasted when facing war. 1 Samuel 7, verse 6. You see fastings of repentance. 1 Samuel chapter 7. You see fasting for when a loved one is sick. David fasting and praying for his child, which the child died. Fasting when seeking forgiveness. Fasting when we're afraid. Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 the armies of Moab coming against Israel, they're way outnumbered and they began to fast and pray and God rooted the enemy. Fasting when seeking clear direction. Acts chapter 13 to the early church. Now I want to just give you a few thoughts. When we think of fasting, we always think stepping away from the dinner table or from the lunch table, stepping away and not eating. But let me, let me say this to you. That's good for you, by the way. If, if you have some illness, if you have diabetes or some issues, you've got to be really careful with this. But for most of you, um, fasting is really good. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. It's good for your spirit. So I, I, I do intermittent fasting five, six, seven days a week where I eat sometime. My last bite is like at seven, and then I don't eat again until 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I go 18 hours without eating. By the way, that's, that's, I don't want to, oh, wow, he's so spiritual. No, it's about, I do it for, for physical benefits, and sometimes the Lord leads me into prayer, more prayer during those times. So, so fasting, fasting is good, but there's, there's the idea of stepping away from your life, stepping away from your material life to enter into the spiritual, stepping away from the temporary to enter into the eternal, Right? Stepping away from the earthly to enter into the heavenly. So that could be stepping away maybe from getting a lot of sleep. Going without sleep. It could be, it could be stepping away from food. It could be stepping away from your handheld device. From your computer. From your television set. From all the yapping of people in your life. Just stepping away and getting with God privately. In a prayer group, 
as a church, which is what we'll do on Wednesday, a holy convocation to pray for the people of Ukraine. By the way, there's children's ministry and nursery here that night as well. Can't stay for the whole meeting, then stay for what you can stay for. But devote time aside to enter and pray. And there is great power when we, when we pray and we fast. So there may be someone in your life who has an addiction, drugs, alcohol, pornography, and that, those addictions hold them, man. It's the devil. The devil's got his claws into them. They're hooked. And you get down and you begin to pray and you fast. And that's how that, that bondage, that demonic bondage could be broken. Someone who is just, I mean, you got a loved one in your life and they're unsaved, man, and they're just, they're just so caught up with sin. They're so filled with their self-righteousness and their pride and they know everything, right? But they're on their way to hell. And you begin to pray, you begin to fast, you can break that bondage that's in their life. Praying for nations. I don't know about you. I think, I think the church in America, we should all be praying and fasting for the Ukraine right now because I think most people, they are delusional about the future implications of what could be happening with this. And this could be coming really quickly to a neighborhood near you. But just praying for those people. So you just, you just are setting it aside. And again, it could be private. It could be in a small group. It could be in, again, the, the entire church. It's, it's when we do that, we can break the strongholds of the devil. So I'll show you just prayer plus fasting equals spiritual power. That's, that's it. Prayer plus fasting equals spiritual power. And here's our, here's our wrap up, and we're going to do communion in a moment. Two key things here. Come to him with honesty and humility. Bring your weaknesses to Jesus. Bring your shortcomings to Jesus. Bring your failures to Jesus. Come and confess them to him. He rejoices in that. (laughs) He He rejoices in honesty. He rejoices in humility. Bring your weaknesses to him. Learn that from this lesson. Pray more. How many of you could use to pray more? How many of you are really being dishonest right now? How many of you are just afraid if you lift your hand that somehow somebody's going to see you doing it and God forbid you don't want them to see you. Do How many of you need to pray more? I do. I do. I, I, I can, the average Christian prays one minute a day. The average evangelical Christian Right, the evangelical churches, the charismatic churches, the Pentecostal churches, the fundamental the average Christian prays one minute a day. Guess how long the average pastor prays? Three minutes. Wow. Aren't we special? That's why we're able to do what we're doing. I pray more than three minutes. But I'll tell you, I can still use to pray more. I can use to pray more. There's no 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 question about it putting this message together. I've been working on this message for two weeks. I can, I, I can use to pray more. And I just want to say, try fasting. From food, from drink, from your iPhone, from the TV, from the computer, 
from people, from, from whatever. Just try, try just getting away and embracing God and engaging God more. And I think you're going to see, you're going to see that release of his power into your life and you're going to see your prayers begin to be answered and manifest in your life. Pray more. Try fasting. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask uh, the musicians to make their way up. If you, uh, if you have your cup. Jesus, he, he took the cup and he gave it to his disciples, right? He said, do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me. Just stop and think about the me. The me is Jesus, the Son of God. He is God in the form of man. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our Messiah. Do it in remembrance of me. And again, in remembrance of what he did for you. He died for you on the cross and he hung there six hours to take all your sins upon himself and then on the third day he was raised from the dead. So we are, we are to remember who he is and we are to remember what he's done for us. And maybe right now for the first time in your life you're coming to that place where you're saying Jesus is my God Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. And I believe you died for me. And I believe you were raised from the dead. That's salvation. That's salvation. And some of you are going to be renewed again in that by remembering Jesus. So on that night, the Lord Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, Take this, for this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us all partake in remembrance. And then he took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take this, all of you, and drink this, for this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Let us all partake of the cup of our Lord in remembrance of him. As the worship team leads us in a final song, folks, the altars are open. You're welcome to come forward, to seek the Lord, to pray, to humble yourself before him, to be honest before him. Thank you, Pastor. What a great word from the Lord. Amen. Altars are open, as Pastor said, so please take advantage of that time. Surrender your hearts to the Lord. Pray for whatever.
on my way to on my way to church this morning, I said to my wife that I was really excited about coming to preach the word here today. And I'm always excited, but I was more excited. And she said to me, she goes, why? And I said, well, you know, it's a passage this week and next week. They're passages that I've preached on before, but God has just revealed so much to me that he enriched me so much that I wanted just to share it. Same thing with next week's message. I, It's just a passage that I know, but God has just enriched me with it. And especially the sermon is done for next week. You want me to stay now and I'll give it to you? And <laughs> Next week. But I also want to say this, um, leaders, um, leaders in the church, pastors, elders, deacons, ministry leaders, and this goes for all, but come on Wednesday prepared to lead in prayer. So let God put it on your heart what he wants you, and we're going to pray for Ukraine, okay? So just come prepared for that. May God the Father, Son, and Spirit go with you all. May he bring you home safely today. May he bless your Lord's day with his peace, with his joy, with his presence. May God be with you all this week. May he go with you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. How great is our God. Sing with me how.